It's show 74 of the Rim Pro Report. This week, Brad McDonald of Tape Management Services in Australia. Plus, we're going to catch you up on the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. Let me remind you that O'Neill has the technical support and customer service support you can count on. They've got regional coverage in uh, Europe, the Americas, Middle East, Africa, as well as all over Asia Pacific. An all-around great software with great support for all your RIM service needs. You can check them out yourself at O'NeillSoft.com. Hey, we're headed down under today. Won't you join us? Welcome to the RIM, RIM, RIM Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry care. Characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators. Shred and destruction vendors. Media and electronic vaulters. Scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, we are back. Welcome. I hope you're doing well. I hope your January has been a great start. And uh, I can't even believe it. We're almost at the end. Hey, today we're going to talk to Brad McDonald. He's the managing director of Australia's largest media vault company, Tape Management Services. They've got locations in Sydney and in Melbourne, Australia. Brad's been very involved in the vault business and the vault industry for a number of years, so I wanted to have a chance to speak to him about his story and his perspective, so looking forward to doing that. But before we get there, let's catch you up on some of the latest industry news. I haven't heard any word this week about acquisitions. I know last week was a biggie, so nothing to report there as of yet. And uh, I guess we'll wait till next week if anything did occur. Looks like the PRISM Privacy Plus certification workshop was a smashing success. Early reports from attendees say that it was extremely helpful and is really a great part of where they see themselves going in the future. So uh, congratulations to everyone who attended that. And special thanks to PRISM for making that one happen. I found some 2011 stats from Nade recently. Uh, this just indicates how strong this association is. Uh, looks like in 2011, new memberships on board, 157. Total membership, 1,220 members. Total member locations, uh, 1,859. These are new NAID certifications, 122, with total NAID certifications of 878. So way to go, Bob and the entire team at NAID. That's, uh, those are great numbers. And I know it's not always about numbers, but it's always interesting to look at them. Hey, Iron Mountain just released a survey that might interest you. The survey was of more than 200 law professionals regarding their firm's information management practice, and it reveals an industry with established policies for storing, accessing, and disposing of hard copy records. And it's an industry still working to adopt the same kind of governance for their electronic files. 
chief among the findings of the survey. 28% of law firms say they have gone paperless, primarily, which means they primarily use and maintain electric files, or they plan to do that in the next five years. An additional 29% are considering a plan to go this way as well. And while 79% of law firms have a records policy, 31% of those firms report that their policy only covers paper, not electronic records. The two findings suggest firms will have to broaden their existing records management policies to include electronic files to accomplish their paperless objectives. So that's an interesting survey uh, that you can probably make use of. Uh, Recall just opened a brand new secure destruction facility in Erlinger, Kentucky. The new site will provide services for businesses throughout the Ohio Valley region. Recall suggests they will serve areas as far north as Columbus, Ohio, south to northern Tennessee, west to Evansville, Indiana, and east to Summersville, West Virginia. Well, that's it for the news. I'm going to get Brad on the line so we can chat to him. Hang on for a second. Brad McDonald is the managing director and founder of Tape Management Services in Sydney and Melbourne, Australia. Brad, are you on the line? Yes, Tom. How are you? Oh, lovely. Welcome to the RIMPRO Report. First and foremost, Happy New Year. Thank you very much, Tom. Yes, I'm looking forward to a um, very productive and uh, profitable uh, 2012. Way to go. 2012 is going to be a great year. I, I just feel it in my bones. So tell me what's happening in the weather in Sydney, or you're actually in Melbourne right now, but what's the weather in Melbourne like these days? The Mel- Melbourne weather, Melbourne historically, um, it, we get four seasons in, in a day. So currently it is grey and overcast, but the sun could come out any minute. <laughs> Great. So for those who might not know you, because I know you've been around the industry a long time. I have, you know, I've seen you at numerous conferences. You are part and, you know, very much a part of the industry. But tell me about your company and tell us, those who are listening who might not know you, a little bit more about tape management services. Right. Uh, Tape management services um, was started 15 years ago. Um, I started with my um, my brother and business partner Tony. Okay. Um, he had a uh, a unique. Um, well, my background was working in IT, right. so I'd spent my life, um, in fact, as a customer um, of this service. Um, so it gives me a particular insight into, I believe, what the customers want out of offsite data storage. Right. Um, my brother had a background in logistics. So putting my IT experience and his logistics uh, experience together meant that um, you know offsite storage was perfect for us. So uh, 15 years later, we have um, quite a quite a, a good business that, um, as you mentioned, has expanded into um, two states now in Australia, into New South Wales and Victoria. So you so, um, you you have two facilities. Uh, tell me a little bit. You're you're only doing uh, tape related data protection services, you're not into the record storage or shredding or those kind of things? No, no. We, we do only do the, um, the, the tape uh, data protection. Um, we do offer a service of shredding um, you know, backup tapes from a destruction right. perspective. So okay. we, we use a third party for that. Um, no, I never got into the, uh, into the warehousing uh, you know, paper world. Um, you know, I walk into the, those big warehouses and just think, Wow, the cost. 
<laughs> and they're very empty often. <laughs> right. Okay, so going back to your current business, you started it 15 mm. years ago, but where you are today, uh, and and I know it's really hard to, to know, but my, my sense is from knowing you that you've got one of the larger, if not the largest, tape management company in Australia. Am I correct in that? We're the only one. Um, I suppose our competitors are the, the traditional you know, records management companies that do um, you know paper, tape, destruction. Um, so we're the largest specialist um, media vaulting company in Australia. Right. Okay. Okay. So why did you actually, you were talking about your brother and you, he was logistics and you were uh, more on the tape side, but why did you actually start this business? What you decided obviously to make, make this huge jump into this business. What prompted that? What was really behind that? Yeah, interesting. I had a very comfortable career in the IT world, and um, and you know in IT you earn excellent money, good conditions, um, you know, challenging environment, that sort of thing. Um, while I was working in the IT world, I did some work in the disaster recovery area. Yeah. And as part of that job, I had to audit um, the company I was working for, um, their offsite storage provider. So I did a physical audit, and. Um, went through this, um, this vaulting facility um, and looked at uh, physical security, procedural controls, and, and how that interfaced into um, the data center that I was running at the time. Right. And basically, I didn't like what I saw. I, uh, yeah, I thought it wasn't run well. Um, procedurally, it wasn't run well. Um, and this was one of the large ones. I, I won't tell you who they were, but... I had some real problems with how they were doing it, and I thought, um, you know, the light bulb moment came on that, you know, this stuff isn't that hard, and it can be done efficiently and securely, um, and I just thought I could do it better. So that's when I got the idea hmm. um, that um, hmm, there's a, a business opportunity here to, to do this media vaulting better than the current providers. Then I specifically, um, in my role as the disaster recovery manager of this company, I then went to the other um, various vaulting companies in Sydney at the time and did and audited them for then two purposes. One, to look for a new vendor for the company I was working for to use, a better one, Yeah. Uh, but then also in the back of my mind, gathering information and understanding how other people did it to, um, to then build a business plan. A little reconnaissance work. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've... I've quite happy to admit that that uh, and you know a lot of people do that you always learn from your competitors oh yeah so at that point you said okay there's an obvious need you sat down and talked to your brother and went let's jump out into this crazy adventure mm, yes and then i think he quite proudly points out the fact that um our first customer if the first check we received was fifteen dollars and seventy five cents and uh, we were so absolutely broke, we couldn't. We would have loved to frame it on the wall, but uh, we had to bank it to get $15 into our <laughs> bank account. <laughs> so what were the hardest parts of getting this thing up and running? What, what were the big stumbling blocks? Obviously, you, you had to put your own money into this, and, and it sounds like you bootstrapped it to make this thing happen. But what were some of the, the early frustrations or roadblocks or difficult things you hit getting started? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, funding is always uh, an interesting problem. Um, so, yeah, getting enough capital to, um, to, to 
start the business was always always hard, and then the gradual, slowly building up of customers. You know, I a little bit naively thought that I'd be able to get you know, with my background in IT and knowing a lot of um, IT managers, um, I thought, oh yes, all these people I know, they'll give me their business, and um, and they were all in my business plan, and um, and I did get most of them eventually, but it took a lot longer than what I thought. Hmm. And um, our, our current largest customer, when I eventually did win his business, I said to him, why did it take so long? And he said, I wanted to make sure you survived. Wow. Uh, and, and we did, but uh, yeah, they were, um, I suppose they were only protecting their own interests there too. So it was just growth, capital, that's the main major thing. I, I had no real problems getting business, we had quite a unique offering in that we were providing a real IT focus to our customers. So the potential customers accepted that and saw it as a, a new and better way of doing the media vaulting. Right. Um, as you know, Tom, we also, at the time, branched out into the software world and we started a software company um, to, to run, um, you know, to do all the logistics and the, the vaulting stuff in the vault. Right. And, um, and um, yeah, that software is and still very unique um, in this industry. Um, of course, I've, I've since sold out of that company, but we still use the tape track software. Okay. So the that was part of then your sort of unique selling proposition to the world is not only were you doing it differently, but you had a unique kind of software to support it for your clients. That's right, and that's it was when I did my audit of the original providers when I was doing that disaster recovery project that I, I realised that the fundamental problem we had was that I was running a data centre and we had all this IT stuff and lots of tapes were being generated and they were being shipped out to our off-site vendor. The off-site vendor were taking in all the tapes and they had their software doing you know, the logistical things, but there was no connection between the two. Right, and there was a real missing link. So the software we developed does take in a feed from um, you know, these, the data centers systems and feeds into our logistical system at our end, and it just ties it all together nicely. Right, um, which yeah, it just makes it much more efficient. In fact, it makes it efficient for both parties, for the, for the vault and for the data center. So looking back on your story, and I'd like to get past your story, but uh, looking back on your story, do you remember the moment you and your brother looked at each other and said, we're going to make it? Uh, like this is, the, you know, where you, like it was a corner you turned or there was that certain point you just went, yeah, we're there. It's going to happen. <laughs> the, not specifically that, that type of thing, but I remember one of the Christmas parties we had and uh, when we didn't have too many staff, um, we used to have it at my house. Yeah. And I remember standing in my backyard with probably, we probably had about 10 employees, and plus their wives and girlfriends. And um, there were probably 20 people there. And I looked at these people and thought, oh, all these people are, de are dependent on TMS. And it somehow, it scared me a little bit, but yeah. also gave me a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. That, you know, a lot of people were relying on us. Those are in, intense moments just in your own head in some ways, aren't they? Yes, yes, very much so, yes. 
coming forward to where you are now, you're a, a large, obviously significant player in the marketplace, but you can't sit still and you can't sort of sit back and assume that everybody's going to come to you. So what are you doing to market your services? How are you growing the business now? What What are some of the, the things that you're actively engaged in doing to really keep the momentum going? We have always, once again, being an, an old IT person, um, I was always very focused on using um, our website to, to pick up business and we were one of the very early adopters of Google AdWords. And, um, you know, as much as the Google, getting into the whole Google thing is, is um, there's a lot of work involved in it. And as you well know, Tom, it's a bit of a moving target. Yeah. Google do change, you know, they change the rules as time goes on. And um, we have used that to quite a lot of success. Um, with that being said, We've also dropped the ball on it a few times where we haven't kept up with Google and we've slipped down the rankings and, you know, boring things like that. So, yes, I'm a great advocate for, for Google because my customers are IT people. That's what they, that's how they buy. Right. So, um, yeah, the continual readjustment of websites in Google and, you know, we're going through another iteration right now of a new website. Um, but that's worthwhile doing for us because, um, yeah, our customers are IT people. Right. So are you doing um, anything other, else, though? No. No. We, we do the standard white pages because now that all our you know, yellow and white pages, phone listings are on the Internet. You obviously do small listings there. We don't spend a lot of money right. uh, in that area. Um, starting to do a bit of email um, marketing. Um, we've got a new CRM system, which all that so um, just starting to uh, do a bit more you know email marketing which is a problem because you know is it spam not spam yeah you know, there's always that issue yeah there's very strong spam rules in Australia you've got to be careful that um, you don't get um, you don't get caught with that sort of stuff right so people have got to opt in and um, to receive that information we, we've got into the tape world in, in we've been selling a lot of um, just blank tapes um, oh, barcodes. Okay. Uh, that, that's been that's actually been a nice little revenue earner. Um, surprisingly, we we've done it um, sporadically over the years. In the last two years, we've had someone assigned to actually getting out there and cross-selling that stuff to our customers. No, oh, okay. So um, yeah, that's been that's been working quite nicely and just fits in very well to our existing service. So is are you seeing in Australia the any transition in terms of the use of backup media uh, because the world seems to think everything's gone you know gone internet pipe to backups on the cloud and all this kind of stuff but those who, of us who live in the industry uh, often see the reality of it and what are you seeing how, how is that changing or is it on from your perspective mm, the thing that you know, the clouds obviously it's a very interesting topic um from a, the thing that I'm noticing more than the cloud, and yes, we do have some of our customers who have gone cloud and they're doing a deduplication and they're changing their, the IT technology um, and not using as much tape um, for some of the larger sites. There is also then all that archive tape that is still there. Right. Um, yes, we're seeing a little bit of that, but the thing that I'm seeing more so, and this maybe is more an Australian 
um, specific um, issue that's going on. The Sydney-Melbourne markets are very mature. Um, They've been... There's always been three or four vendors in the market for the last you know, 30 years. Right. Um, there's a lot of competition internally. Right. Which means the prices are being driven down. There's a, you know, I, I suppose we've all grown to a point where the market, I wouldn't say it's saturated, there's still more business, there's still new business out there, but um, there's a lot of um, yeah, price competitiveness at the top end. And I think we're all cutting our rates quite a bit. Hmm. Well, our customers are coming back to us to say, right. oh, got a, got a quote from Iron Mountain, right. which is you know, ex, you know, ridiculous rates, and um, they're saying things like, if you want to keep us as, as a customer, you've got to match this, you know, these dollars. I'm seeing more and more of that recently, which isn't nice, but um, you know, you've got to compete. So that's that's maybe a bigger concern to you than the the disappearance of tapes from the marketplace. It's more the dif- disappearance of tapes to low low price competitors. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's definitely my issue at the moment, and that's also coupled with probably you know the GFC over the last few years. Companies are you know tightening the belts, and you know, it gets down to the IT people to say what can you do. Right. And I think they see as you know data storage side as uh, it's an easy it's an easy target right you know it's it's more difficult for the it department to go to say ibm or hewlett-packard and say oh, we want a you know 10 percent cut those big companies will just say no probably right or, the, or they'll be harder to negotiate where i think we're just a softer touch right and you're a smaller number generally speaking on their their P- L or on their their um you know their balance sheets. You know you're you're a smaller expense than sometimes the big, huge uh, technical or IT investment stuff they're doing. So it, yeah. it is it is a spot that they're you know they they look to cut in those areas. So so does That's anything right. else keep you up at night? Does it does anything else cause you to have cold sweats in the middle of the night about the business <laughs> or the industry? Well, I suppose the yeah, only other obvious thing that um, and we've got something like 50 employees now, uh, it's staff issues. Um, you know, you, you can't escape. As much as we, you, you love your staff, sometimes you hate them too. <laughs> <laughs> Completely understood. Completely understood. Um, yeah, we've done a few things internally. We're, we've got like a general manager now who's running a lot of that area of the business, which is... Um, a good strategic move from my business partner and I to try and fend, fend ourselves away from that. Um, and we are spending more time as, as owners in doing account management, sales, um, getting in front of our big accounts and doing, doing that stuff. If you meet someone at a conference and they tell you they want to get into the exact same business you're in, just tape, just backup, uh, just data protection as, as a business, what's your advice to them? I, in fact, had that discussion with someone about six months ago, and I said, um, in the Sydney-Melbourne market, and I think it's market-dependent, um, there is definitely um, a chance for a new player because I think people are always looking out for someone new. And um, a lot of people say, um, oh, I've been with that company 10 years, so I think it's time for change, just mm. for the sake of change. Right. So, yes, um, I, I would definitely couple that with, um, an e-vaulting type um, solution. I th- 
think um, any media vaulting company should do, be doing some e-vaulting these days, uh, which you know we're obviously looking at ourselves. Yeah. Because, yes, the cloud is coming, and um, if you can't beat them, you've got to join them. If you could go back to 1997, I think it was, when you got started, and you could, with all you know now, change something in the way you've done it over the last 15 years, what would be one of the big things you'd change? I would have put more resources into sales. Hmm. I don't think we sold hard enough in those early days. We didn't know, we didn't know how to sell. Um, with my background in IT, I was a technical person. Right. And my business partner was in logistics. We didn't have a strong sales focus, and we didn't really know what we were doing. By just getting out in the marketplace, you got some early business, but you feel like you could have got uh, tons more if you had really gone to town on the sales side of it. Definitely, huh. definitely, and and maybe put some of that. What limited funds we had, uh, maybe employed a, a professional salesman earlier than what we did. Because in the early in the early days, you know, I was doing the sales, and uh, yeah, I'm the first to admit I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> But obviously something worked because you are where you are today, but you could have been significantly more, I guess, is what you're, you're potentially saying. I think we would have grown quicker. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, we, we, we didn't, you know, we had a, we still have a unique offering, but, um, yeah, we should have hit the market with it a lot harder. You are um, dealing with all this stuff. Your your business is growing. You've got 50 staff. You're in two locations any plans to expand bigger? Are you planning on, you know, owning all of Australia, or are you just happy to be in Sydney and <laughs> Melbourne? The Sydney and Melbourne are the, the two large commercial areas in Sydney, in Australia. That's right. where the bulk of the business is. Right. Um, we do um, office services in every state in Australia, um, but we subcontract those out to other companies, um, which is um, which works well. Right, uh, and you know we make sure those interstate companies use our software, so we've got centralised control of our customers throughout Australia. Um, so as we as we grow those other interstate sites, we will expand into into other states. Wow, that's cool. So the next if, one being uh, Brisbane. Oh, Brisbane, and that's yeah. that's a decent place. Yes, and it's very sunny up there too, so a um, good place to visit and do business. Well, maybe you could go up and, and start the branch up in Brisbane. I think I will. Good <laughs> idea, Tom. <laughs> I'm, 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 here, I'm here to offer great advice. That's what I'm here to thank do. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe a, a more personal question, but if you, hadn't a, you know, if you could have done anything else other than IT and what you've done for the last 15 years, what other profession might you have liked to get into? Oh, very interesting. I've, um, you know, I got into the IT world in in the seventies when it just was just kicking off. Uh, you know, left school went and fell straight into it. And um, yeah, the IT, I, I've always loved the IT world. I really do. And I no doubt I would have I would have stayed in that if I hadn't have got into um, into our media vaulting business. Hmm. Um, yeah. Apart from that, no idea. I know I did some um, some. Uh, profiling on me some time ago, and they said, you're perfectly suited for sales. <laughs> but, um, and that's what I fell into in the end, funnily, right. funnily enough. So you're truly a geek. <laughs> 
my geekiness has disappeared over the years. Oh, I, yeah. I, I just want my laptop to work now, and I, <laughs> I've stopped playing with it. I've, I've learned too many times. Whenever you play, things don't work, and then you spend hours fixing things. Right. So, so I've tried to avoid it. So is there any other thing about you, any interesting thing about you that most people wouldn't know? Um, they they probably don't know. I've got old children, um, twenty four and twenty one, and that often surprises people. That, yeah, because uh, you you don't. you look like you're all of like thirty six. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, my you're welcome. Wife and I, our tactic is to um, is to have the kids early, get rid of them, and then we can have a good life. Right. Well, it it sounds like <laughs> that's what you're having. You know, I I gotta yes. say, Brad, it's it's been a pleasure uh, hearing your story. I've, like I said right off the bat, I've known you quite a few years, and uh, it's just interesting to hear what you're dealing with and what you're experiencing. And uh, congratulations on really great success. It's it's so cool what you've done and what you and your brother have accomplished. And and thank you for sharing it with us on the show today. My pleasure, Tom. It's always uh, always enjoy having a chat to you, and I look forward to catching up to you at the next Prism conference. All right. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Well, there you have it. Great to catch up with Brad. I want to thank him for taking the time to catch up with us on the show today. And I want to thank you for being here today as well. I appreciate the time you spend with us when you can. And I hope that all of these interviews that I do, the conversations I have with all these interesting people in this industry are helpful to you. As we finish the show, let me remind you that this show is sponsored by our friends at O'Neill Software. They've got award-winning AT&T certified RS mobile software, which connects field service staff to their back-end RS SQL database, allowing them to do more of their tasks without having to return to their desks or workstation. That makes life good. It's designed to be easy to use, but provides powerful functionality. RS Mobile allows you to carry out work once, built on a philosophy of do it right the first time, which saves money and increases revenue opportunities. You can learn more about this and all of the things that O'Neill does at O'NeillSoft.com. Well, that's it for now. We are out of here. Have yourself a great week. We'll catch up to you in February. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.